you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated in the house of God. How many are happy you're in church today? Amen. Give it up for the band as well. You guys did amazing. Thank you. Well, by default, I think we're the largest gathering church on the west side now, or on the northwest side. Amen. I didn't know we would get the award like that, but if they're all going to shut down, we're still going to meet. Amen. Well, we're not the only ones. There's some good churches that are still fighting through all of this. Sadly, it has now come out that 11,000 businesses in Illinois have been shut down. Isn't that so sad? And at the same time, what has just happened is you can see on my Facebook page, if you don't uh, follow me there, please do. That's my one social media place. Uh, I don't do much on Twitter or Instagram, but I posted up on the World Health Organization that they have now come up with its final uh, infected, you know, rate of infection, death rate, 0.05% for those under uh, 70 years old. And so it's right in the range of the flu, 5 out of 10,000, and it is serious. It can affect people differently, and we should understand that a flu can affect people differently. We had lost somebody that we loved uh, a few years ago to the flu instantaneously, uh, one of our dear sisters. But here's the thing. 11,000 businesses have closed, and in Illinois, 400,000 people now are without jobs. It used to be as high as 700,000, but then during the last few months, uh, people started working and doing well, but now that they shut down things, we think it's going to be even worse again. So would you continue to pray for Illinois? Pray for those who are sick that they would recover, and pray especially for those that are having other illnesses and other issues that they can be taken care of during this time and not feel afraid or neglected because of what's going on with COVID. Amen? Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Everybody say, the seed, the seed. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Do you know that everything that you and I ate, if you could give me a little bit more in the monitors, please, do you know that everything you and I ate started off as a seed? If it was a plant, that's an obvious seed. If it was a living creature, that's a seed that comes from sperm. How many know that? They're not made in laboratories, are they? And even if they are, they had to come originally from a seed. Everything you and I enjoy in life in one way or another comes from a seed. You came from a seed. How many of you are glad you're here today? And that's why we love our sister's work with those that are considering abortion because that seed is a person, and that person has value and should be treated accordingly. Everything not only starts off as a literal seed, but then figuratively we could say everything comes from a seed, a seed of an idea. This building obviously didn't grow organically, so we would say everything organically comes from a seed of some kind. But this building was an idea. It started off as something small in somebody's mind, and then they said, hey, let's get an architect together. Let's draw out the plans, and now we have a building. Everything in one way or another, figuratively or literally, comes from a seed. And at this time right now, I sense in my heart, and God is leading me, that we need to understand the power of the Word of God and what the Word of God is as a seed. So I'm going to teach today on a very uh, popular, well-known parable. And by the way, we need uh, the demons cast out of these lights in Jesus' name. So you see them going on and off. It's not poltergeist, but I wish it was so we could cast it out. There's an electrical issue. Uh, We also didn't have that half of the building with heat this morning. So everybody say, when the devil's messing, God's blessing. 
Amen. So we're not going to quit. You guys came to church this morning. That's awesome enough. Amen. Give it up for you showing up for church. And so when I was praying about what to do during this season, I really felt led to do topical messages, which in the times past, we have gone verse by verse through the scriptures, and that's really what you'll get from us as this season passes. Eventually, I'll go back to my bread and butter, which I really love to do on Sundays, which is preach verse by verse. And as our sister said, instead of just doing Netflix and chill, she actually went through the entire book of Matthew that we had online. So I want to encourage you to do that, make time for the Word of God. And so today, as I was... uh, considering this message, the part that was so important that I want us to get, and and I say this to you because many of you here, as I look around, already know where I'm going. You already know the parable. Most of you do. If you're new, I cannot wait to be the first one to preach it to you. That would be cool. But for most of you, you already know this. But here's the thing. I don't want you to skip ahead. I want this message to come to you as if it was from the first time you heard it because I don't want you to miss some very important things because it's always the basics that are important in times like this. So, like, for example, the pastors that I look up to have been pastoring for close to 50 years. When I go through my hardships and I ask them, what should I do? What should we do? What's going on? They always say, go back to the basics. Pray. Read your Bible. You know, go tell somebody about Jesus. Do what you're supposed to do. A lot of times we're looking for something new to answer the problems that we have. But how many know there's nothing new under the sun? That the problems that we're facing now have been faced before. Has there been times of sickness in in times past? Yes. Has there been government corruption in times past? Has there been riots in times past? Has there been uprisings? All of these things have been in times past. Now, I believe that they're going to increase as we get closer to Christ's return. That, you know, it's going to just keep coming one after another. And you're not going to feel like you're getting a breath in between. I I believe that. But at the same time, we're not the first generation of Christians to have to really evaluate where we're at in this world. You're not just going to be able to put your life on neutral and just cruise through life. You're not going to be able to do that. You're going to be constantly challenged with your worldview. You're going to be constantly challenged with your your thoughts and your mind and whether or not you're going to have peace or, or be anxious. You have to do something to be active. Simply being passive will take you down the stream of this world and lead you to depression, addiction. It will lead you to discouragement and then uh, the further you go, the further away from Christ, and it may lead you to hell. How many want to go to hell? Nobody wants to go to hell. So it's very important that we get these things because some may say the basics are important. The basics are important. Remember that. Amen. Keep it simple, saints. You thought I was going to say another word. Keep it simple, saints. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a saint. You're not that other word. You're not that other word. Somebody's like, what's the word? Stupid, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. That's not what we say around here. We don't say stupid like that. You're not stupid. Keep it simple, saints. All right. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. How many know something about a lake shore around here? Right? We know about a lake shore. Have you ever been there? Isn't it beautiful? Could you imagine being out there to listen to Jesus? Right here at the beginning, I think most of us would read through this and forget what's actually happening right here. What's happening is Jesus is where the people are. Did you get it? Or are you just expect it? Well, you know, Jesus is by the seashore doing things. No, hold on. A lot of religious people of his time didn't do that. The Pharisees weren't out at the seashore. 
That's not where they were at. Jesus was there. This teaches us the importance of being like Jesus and being in the public. You might wonder sometimes, what do people do who are getting doctorates? You know, I just finished mine. You might say, well, what do they do in religious circles who get doctorates? Well, one of the things we do is a bunch of boring stuff that nobody else has time to do. So one of the things that I did for my class, because you got to be creative, you got to think outside the box, is I said, has anybody written on where Jesus was in all of his teachings? And I couldn't find any book or anything, a journal that had been written on that. So in one of my classes, I went through all four Gospels every time Jesus was talking, and I marked where was he at. My four main categories was in the temple, at somebody's house, out in public, or we don't know. The Gospel writer just starts and says, Jesus is talking somewhere. So we we don't even know where he's at. We'll take away that one because we don't know where he's at. But out of the three, temple, someone's home, or out in the streets, where do you think Jesus was the most? Out in the public, the streets, by far. That shocked a lot of people in my class. Because are they, as religious leaders, most of their time, are they spending most of their time outside of the church? No, sadly, how about most Christians? Are they spending most of their time sharing their faith outside of the church? No, so everybody think about this. Culture, it comes and goes. You know, one day they were wearing bell bottoms. The other day they're wearing the Jengas. Anybody remember Jengas? The next day they're wearing tight pants with the holes in them. You're looking good, my friend. Yours aren't too tight, though. You still got your manhood, I can see. Not talking like this. You're doing good. But everybody understand culture comes and goes. But what about Jesus should we learn no matter what culture we're in? We should be outside around the people. So oftentimes people come to this church and they, they hear the preaching and they're like, man, you're, you're pretty good at this. I want to hear you more. When can I come back? And I'm like, well, you got to come back next Sunday. And I can see a little bit of disappointment in them because maybe they're used to a church that the preacher comes back on Sunday night and preaches again and Wednesday and Thursday or wherever. And that's exciting. I would love to do it. But God told me early on that I need to lead by example. And so the other days that I preach are on the streets. So if you want to come hear me preach again, which that shouldn't be all you do in life, obviously, but if you're that excited about it, come meet me on the streets when we preach. Yesterday, by God's grace, in front of the abortion clinic, I was able with Sadia to lead a young man named Edwin to the Lord. Let's give it up for Edwin accepting Christ, and I hope that he comes to the church. Now, I wouldn't have that story if I wasn't out on the streets. I would have a different story where I was out hanging out just eating more food after Thanksgiving. I would have a different story where I was out just taking a nature walk, etc. Maybe good things, right? But today I can tell you the story about someone coming to Christ. How many of those stories can you tell? When was the last time you were out talking to someone about Jesus? When was the last time that you were by the lake? We have one. People go there. Maybe not so much right now. But did you go there during the summer? You know, we can make up a lot of excuses not to be like Jesus, or we can just be obedient and start being like Jesus. Now, some people always like to know where the line is. Well, pastor, pastor, if I don't do it, will I, will I go to hell? Because I, I don't want to go to hell. So if I don't do it, will I go to hell? Because if I can get away with not doing it and still go to heaven, then I want to know where is the line. How many know people who are thinking about like, like that have already missed the whole point? If you're asking me whether or not if you do or don't, you're going to go to hell, you've missed the whole point. 
There's a lot of things God is gracious with us as we're on our way to heaven that may not be heaven or hell issues. That doesn't take away their importance. I can go to heaven without teaching my children the Bible. How many know it's still important to teach my children the Bible? You understand? We're born again by grace through faith, but there are a lot of commands that God wants us to keep, and these will be shown on the day of judgment when we're rewarded. On the day of judgment, we're all not going to have the same rewards. Some of you, when Jesus comes, he's going to hand you a crown, and it's going to represent your life, and it's going to look like a Burger King crown. You're going to put it on, and the angel's going to fly by, and then it's going to blow away. And you're going to say, oh, hold on, here's my crown. Oh, don't take my crown. You know, on the little gust of an angel, and it's going to blow away. I want to be there on Judgment Day where he has to call over three angels. Boop, boop, boop. Come on over, angels. Bring down this crown for passage. Boop, boop, boop. He's my son. He's been working in the harvest field. Now you say, oh, Pastor, that sounds so prideful. You want a big crown. Oh, man, I'll just take a small crown, a little Burger King crown. As long as I'm there, hold on, hold on, watch out. The Bible says crown him with many crowns. So we don't get to keep our crown as a peacock to strut around, here's my crown. No, the crown represents your life. And in the worship service, what we'll be doing is bringing that crown before him. In the new Jerusalem, over and over again, I lay my crown, the life that I live for you. And these jewels are for you. And the suffering that I endured was for you. And so let's not go through so fast through the parable that we forget just what's even happening in the parable. Jesus is with the people preaching the word. And praise God, there's so many that he keeps backing up, backing up. And before you know it, he's got the water. And he's like, okay, Peter, let me get in the boat. And that's what it was like to be around Jesus. Are you ready for what he's going to say now? Amen. Verse 2. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. And it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Verse 7, other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the other plants, so that they did not bear any grain. Still other fell on good soil, came up and grew, produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, 100 times. And then Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them what? Let them hear. How many have heard that parable before? It's powerful. How many already know where it's going, what the answer is, what it's about? If I say, what is this about, you would already know. Most of you, many of you, okay? But let me ask you a question. Is that where it stops in the story? No. Go to your Bible now. Go to your Bible. Mark chapter 4, verse 10. It's not on the karaoke screen. You've got to do something. Jesus walked away right there. I want you to imagine this. You're there, and you've never heard it before. This is new to you, so you don't know where he's going with it, right? So he's there telling you the parable, and you're thinking, okay, this is the Son of God. He's just done all of these awesome miracles. Man, I want to hear what he has to say. And here's what he tells you. There was a guy farming one day, throwing out some seed. And you're sitting here going, what in the world are you talking about? 
I want to hear about angels. I want to hear about heaven. I want to hear about streets of gold. You've just told me a story like my friend Bubba does every day. When he goes out farming, he's crazy. He doesn't pay attention to where he's throwing seed. Some gets over here, some gets over there. But what is Bubba, uh, you know, planting seed and missing a whole bunch of good, uh, you know, wasting seed by throwing it in bad places, only getting some in the good places? What does that have to do about the kingdom? You see, that day would have made or break you, make or break you on what you are going to do with your Christian walk. Because at that moment, if you are okay with Jesus just telling you a story about farming and then walking away, then you really didn't want to know what he was about. And sadly, that's a lot of what's going on in the church today. People come and and they want their own confirmation bias to happen. What they already believe, they want to be confirmed. I believe in heaven. Preacher, tell me something about heaven. Oh, I heard that today. You talked about heaven. Okay. I believe that Jesus loves me. Okay, somewhere in the sermon, pastor said Jesus loved me. Oh, that's great. I'm glad I came to church today. I heard Jesus loves me. But there's no growing. There's no depth of understanding. It's just getting confirmed what you want. Now, let's go to that passage. Go and show them, my brothers. You've got to go and look it up in your Bible online as well. Who's got it in front of them in a Bible I can read while we're waiting for them? Come on, brother, let me see it. Look at it right here in Mark chapter 4. As it continues on, he said, Hear, He who has ears, let them hear. Verse 10, When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the what? Asked him about the parables. Now go back to the notes, please, guys. Keep up with me if you can. Let's give it up for these guys in the back. They're doing good. We clap when they do bad, though, to encourage them to keep doing good. Just a little bit. I love them back there. Wow. You mean I actually would have to go after Jesus and go get the answer to this? You mean Jesus is just not going to spoon feed it to me? Open up your mouth. Here it comes. Here comes the flame. Open up. No. If you were that day on the seashore, right there by the lake, watching the waves, Jesus would have ended on the, on the end of the parable and said, goodbye, I'm going to the taqueria, I'm going to go hang out with my disciples. You would have to go, hey, 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 Jesus, uh, I don't know what in the world you're talking about, but it seems important. And then you know what he would say to you? Come follow me. Come follow me. I'm going to go deeper later, but right now I want to see who else wants to. The Bible gives us the opportunity to get close to God or away from God. He's always going to make an effort to come close to you, but it is your choice whether or not you want to come closer to God. Now, just as a sermon example, I wonder what you would do. Let's put it right now to where you're at today. What you would do if I would call Vinny up and say, we're going to close out the service. That's it. Go figure out what that means. Would you even have the tenacity to go back and read it and then keep scrolling because it does say he gives the answer of what it means to the disciples? Or would you just go, man, that was a weird service. A uh, pastor read a portion of the Bible, did not explain it to us, sang a song and dismissed us. Well, I guess I'm going to go back to Netflix, got more things to binge. How many of you, if literally the service just ended with me talking about the parable, would still on your own go home and read it and ask God to explain it to you? Amen. I hope that you would because that's what it took that day to get the answer. 
that day to get the answer or later on to understand what this parable was about so you weren't just wondering, hey, was this just about farming? What was the point here? You would have to make the effort. Now I want to say this to all of us who have heard this before, who think they understand it. Are you willing to pursue it this week and not only for this week but for the rest of your life to see everything you do, everything, everybody get this, everything you do in relation to God as a seed in your heart. Are you willing to see everything? I'm talking everything, my brother, everything, my sister, as a seed in your heart. Because I could tell you right now that this parable is more real to me today than it's ever been in my entire life. As we get into it, come on. It's more real than it's ever been in my entire life. And I can tell you the people that I have seen be the most successful in Christianity understand this parable and live by it. And I don't mean they have to recite it or always bring it up in conversation, but the understanding of it, the understanding that Jesus gives us in this parable is the foundation of their life from the time they get up to the time they go to bed. They understand this is how the kingdom works. Let's go to the understanding. Please scroll down, good sir. Verse 13, Jesus says, because they asked him, what does it mean? The disciples did. And he goes, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any parable? This is the key parable to unlocking all the other parables. In other words, it's a parable within a parable. Because if you don't get this parable, you don't get the other parables. This parable is the parable that helps you understand what Jesus wants to do in your life. Verse 14, the farmer sows the the word. The word of God is the seed. Right here, right here, you need to understand. Stop. I have to have a relationship with the Word of God. I will never outgrow the Word of God. I will never become smarter than the Word of God. I will never become wealthier than the need of the Word of God. I will never become happier than the Word of God. I will always attach my life to the Word of God on a good day, bad day, payday, bill day. The Word of God will be important to me. Now, at this point, people like to ask questions like, well, well, why, can you, why, why, why do you read the Bible? Because it's a book written by men, you know? And then I say to them, what are books supposed to be written by? Are ants supposed to write our books? Are aliens supposed to write our books? Are angels supposed to write our books? How many know books? Here's, a, here's some that might blow your mind right now. How many know books are written by people? People write books. So I don't know, that book was written by men. Yes, and so what? Your math book was written by men. The question isn't whether or not it's written by men because that's the only books we know that exist today are written by men. But is it a true book? See, a man can write two plus two equals four, and a man can be right. A man can write two plus two equals five and be wrong. The fact that the man has wrote it does not make it right or wrong. Based on the information, it needs to be judged. How many know that's true? We don't take a man's word for it. We test it for ourselves. And when you go to the Word of God and you test the Word of God, you will see that it is true. 
There have been people throughout the ages that have tried to disprove the word of God. Many of them have become Christians in the pursuit. Others have said that it would be their life goal to rid the world of Bibles. One of them said such a thing. I believe it was Voltaire. You can look it up. Now his, or, or his house, once he died, was used as a printing press for Bibles. Look it up to make sure I gave him the right name. Voltaire Bible Printing. See if that was the right person. He was, a, he was a renowned atheist and said, I want to rid the world of Bibles with my philosophy. And then after he passed, his house became a printing press for Bibles. Nations have tried to ban the Word of God, have tried to make it illegal, and the Word of God has prevailed over those nations. Rome bowed its knees to the Word of God. Muslim nations have bowed their knees to the Word of God, even in our lifetime, like Kenya and Nigeria, national leaders bowing to the Word of God. The Word of God has been proven to be true. And some of you might be a little bit overwhelmed with that undertaking, and that's okay. There's people who have gone before you and have studied it. And I'll give you a simple way to start. Look at Jesus and see how Jesus treats the Word of God. Have his viewpoint. Jesus believed in a literal Abraham. Jesus believed in a literal Noah. Jesus believed in Moses receiving the Ten Commandments and so forth. And so with Jesus, the one we know lived, died, buried, rose again, and ascended to heaven, really appreciated and honored the Word of God and continually used it in his battles against Satan, how much more should we honor the Word of God? The first thing that we learn in this parable is that the farmer sows the Word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the Word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the Word that was sown in them. Was it Voltaire? It was? Thank you. My wife's better at Google than you, young man. I didn't know you were a little slow on the Google game. No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Oh, I, love, I love being with you guys today. This is like my Thanksgiving dinner, and the Word of God is the meat of, the, the meat of what we're eating today. Amen? I love teasing these guys right here. When we look to this first example, this is serious. Not only just for people who ignore us when we preach, but for any time, for us, any time we receive a word or, or hear a word, if we don't receive it, our heart is hard, Satan will take it from us. How many right now need a word from the Lord on something in your life? You need God's direction. How many know God is speaking? The question is whether or not we're listening. Now, this applies to first and foremost in the parable, salvation. If someone presents to you the message of salvation and your heart is hard, it's like a seed falling on the ground. The birds come and eat it. Boom. But it's not just for the non-Christian. It's also for us. What if I, as a Christian, hear a word from the Lord about my marriage? And I don't think that's for me. The devil says, hmm, good, I'll take that from you real quick. The devil is always there to steal the words that God is speaking to us in the moment. My wife put this up on her Facebook. I would encourage you to follow her as well. This is a great nugget. We're thinking about doing a video. I think we should do it for the devotional for our leaders and then uh, for December and also put it up online for everybody. And that is your maturity will be tested in every season of your life, and you'll never be more mature than the tests you're facing. And so right now, you're being tested to hold on to the word that God has for you in this season. And God wants you to gather together, not forsake gathering together. And how many are seeing people fail on that word? 
And the devil's coming going, yeah, you can do it online. You don't need to be on the front line. And then there goes that word. They're missing on what God has for them. As I just said before about evangelism, God is putting it on everybody's heart to win souls. And they go, no, that's not for me. I don't need to do that. devil says, good, I'll take that, and I'll put BLM on the streets in your place. Every word we don't receive, the devil snatches, and it is to our harm. I look at the times in people's lives where they've missed God. It's because their heart was hard to what God was saying. God was saying something in that moment that they didn't want to hear. Just to give you an example, there's a gentleman that I know that has gone back to drugs after 20 years of being free, and he used to be in charge of a drug rehab. How about that for a sad story? What do you think it started with? Doing drugs day one, here it is, devil's giving that to him? No. It's take away a word here, take away a word here, take away a word here, and then before you know it, drugs. Do you think an adulterous affair starts when someone says they're leaving our church because they feel uncomfortable about how everything's being presented to them and their friends in the news? No, I'm not saying everybody who leaves this church goes to hell, but how many know the first step to hell is to leave the church? So pardon us if you remind us of people on their way to hell. Because sometimes when people leave, they're like, no, 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 I'm not doing anything wrong. So we want to ask you just to make sure that we've had our final words as well, like with Janelle, so we can bless and cover you to make sure that things are going to go well when you leave. Because every person leaving the church is not going to hell, but the first step to go to hell is to leave the church. It's to get away from God's people and what he's called you to do. And it's always filled with a fine-sounding argument. The Bible says be, be leery of fine-sounding arguments. Oh, well, you know, the Bible doesn't apply here because, you know, Ellen and, and Portia, they look so happy together, so it doesn't apply there. And, you know, the Bible doesn't apply here to gathering together because, you know, there's this thing called COVID happening and we all might die. You all might die anyways, amen? We all always might die. Choose to live for Christ and let him have the choice of when to take you from this place, amen? Some of us will live longer than others. It's not fair. I'm just telling you the truth. I look at my one sister who passed and the other one who lived, and both of them are alcoholics, and my one sister died drinking and driving. The other one's just as bad. Why do some live? Why do some die? It's not because one was better or one was worse. God works it out for his glory. God holds our lives in his hands. And so if you just start picking and choosing what words you're going to take and what words you're not going to take, the devil will destroy you over time. He will wear you down. And so this is always, listen to me, this is always important. When a word from the Lord comes, are you receiving what the word is telling you to do? Maybe it's about your marriage. Maybe it's about your family. Maybe it's about your job. Maybe it's about the habits that you have in your life. And God is speaking to you from the word. He's showing you something here that he wants you to do. He's speaking and we should be listening. And if we're not, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. How many want to stay out of trouble? Amen. Let's go to the next one. I don't want Satan stealing the word. I want every word to be received with joy. Go back up a few verses. You've gone ahead. Thank you. Others, verse 16, are like the seed sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. Somebody say, happy, happy, happy. Yes, they're happy, happy, happy. I love Jesus. I'll never quit. I'm going to live for him all the days of my life. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. 
When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Just as quick as they were to get the word and to be happy about the word is as quick as they are to walk away. Why? Because of trouble or persecution. Trouble or persecution. You see, all of us are only as deep as we're willing to go through the trouble and persecution we're facing now. You cannot go deeper in your walk with God than what you are willing to suffer for Christ in the present troubles and persecution you are facing. So if you have said, I will only go two inches deep for Jesus, if my job threatens to fire me, I'm out of here. If my family doesn't want to do Thanksgiving with me because I'm a leper, I'm a COVIDer, I'm an other to them, I'm one of those crazy ones going to a church still, and, and, and if, if, that, if they don't like that, I'm leaving. If you make your depth to be only two inches deep, then whatever persecution or trouble comes your way or my way, we'll be out of there. Well, there's a lot of ways to go other than that way, Right? I can go over here and feel better about myself. Now I have to feel pressure, get out of the trouble that's coming to me. I mean, just imagine if, if Paul and Silas did this, you know. We're preaching over here. They're getting a little bit upset. Well, let's stop telling these pagans they're going to hell. Why don't we just maybe uh, try to do more things that, that let them know that we love them. So let's just do more plays. Let's do more conferences. Let's see if they want to come and sing contemporary songs with us, do Christian worship conferences. No. See, Peter and Paul didn't stop when the testings went deep. They went down with it. And so that's why in our greatest trials and tests, we see our greatest growth. Come on, somebody. There's no way around that. Talk to anybody who's been in Christianity for a certain amount of time. Ask them where their maturity came from. Did it come from when everything was going right? No, it came from the greatest tests of their life. That's where it came from. They'll tell you, just like Janelle did, it came from a loss. It came from trials. It came from experiencing pain, rejection. Those are the times that the roots had to go deep because otherwise you won't survive. And so once again, this is for everybody here. This is for me. I am talking to myself as I'm preaching to you today that whenever we refuse to go through what God said he will bring us through, we will not only get stuck, we can possibly die in our spiritual walk. If we say, man, God, I know a better way around this trial, it's called leaving. <laughs> I know a better way, it's called quitting. I know an easier way around persecution, Jesus. Just quit. And there'll be a lot of people there to say, oh, now, now, I understand. It's okay. It's good to quit every now and then. You know, that church, I was a little, I thought they were a little crazy and too much for you anyways. You know what? Come over to my church. You know, we're still online. We've been there since March. You know, we're still doing whatever we want to do in our pajamas. And you know what? We get to live how we want. Nobody keeps us accountable. We all just come to church and say we love Jesus. That's really all Christianity is, right? And, you know, it, you know, it's okay. And literally, I understand because if people leave this church to go to another church in the city, first of all, now you can't even really go to another church, not too many in the city. They'll meet you online. I know what they're going to say. They're going to say, oh, you went to Metro Praise International? I heard about you guys on the news. Can we offer you a, a free therapy dog, some counseling sessions, and a $15 gift card to our online conference coming up? They're, they're going to welcome you and say, of course, get out of trouble. That was, that was the pastor's trouble. That was, you guys deserve that persecution. That was stupidity. 
people will find, you will find people to support you getting out of persecution, getting out of trouble for Christ. Like right now, for example, if I wanted to stop preaching the gospel on the streets, I could bring to you three pastors now for the next three weeks that will affirm exactly that decision. Well, Joe has asked me to come in and preach to you guys about complying with the city's orders. And I just want to tell you how good it is to comply with Rome and to submit to them, as Paul said in Romans 13. And, and you know what? Preaching on the streets had its time. And I want to tell you about how now we win souls. We do it through our marketing and through our mass mailing and all of these things. And we want to encourage you to do that. See, I could bring somebody to support me. And then if you said, Pastor, you're wrong, I could go, well, he says I'm right. See, I could appeal to authority. Well, this guy, Pastor Big Bucks of the Mega Mess, I mean Mega Church, says I'm right. Oh, yeah, well, you must be right then. No, no. You see, we all can hide for a little while, but you would see through it, wouldn't you? But you see, not only can we see through each other's cover-ups, the devil sees through it. He knows why we're leaving. He knows why we set down our calls. And I'm not just talking about during COVID time. I've sat down with a lot of Bible college students. Now, I know some come to Bible school to figure it out at first. Some just really don't know. And there, and there is a grace and, a, and an opportunity for us to say, good, you know, you came, and now you know this is a closed door. May the Lord bless whatever you do. And we try to be sympathetic to that. But there's other times when they come to the Bible college and then the trials of life come called tests and midterms and these different things that we have to say to them, this is not God. Don't walk away from this. Something good will come out of this. And it's the same thing in the church leadership. Someone may say at a certain time, hey, uh, pastor, I cannot lead this life group at this time. There's some things that have come up, and I need to hand it over to someone. And the pastors and good elders pray, and we affirm that decision, and we hand that life group over to another uh, leader in the church. But then there's other times where we look at the life group leader, and we go, no, there's something going on right now that you need to push through. You need to remain faithful in the midst of this and watch what God will do. Do you trust us as your pastors? We'll be there to swoop in if something goes wrong, but we really believe that if you pray and you stick with this, God is going to do something. Well, guess what? Over time, just like in the Bible, college students with the life group leaders, to whatever other example I can give you, the ones who always have the excuse to quit never grow and never grow, grow or go very far. But the ones who stick with it, and I'll be honest with you, there are some that we've had to apologize and say, maybe we should have given you a break. But even then, God used it for good. Even when David was under Saul, but he trusted that God would use it for his good, David still came out good for that. You'll never err sticking with the word, sticking with elders and leadership with the word, and being faithful to that which God has given you. Because so often what people want us to do in the ministry with, as pastors is they want us to change our word. You see, if they came into Bible college, they could only come if two or three of us prayed and affirmed that word. So now that they've changed, they want us to change how we heard from God. Well, hold up. We don't change so easily what we hear from God. I stand by what I hear from God. For example, there was someone who left our church about two or three years ago to go to a different ministry, and I said, well, this is what we do under these circumstances. I'll bless you as you go, but I really want to hold you accountable to what you are saying God is telling you now. What is God telling you now? Because we don't sense this is the right time. Well, God is telling me to reach my neighbors, get a life group, do all these other different things. And I said, great. 
What we'll do is over six months periods, I'll check in with you to see if I missed God or you missed God. And I said, I want to tell you a little trick that I've seen the little sheepy pull. And I'll tell it to you right now at the church, too. I said, what happens a lot of times is people change what they say God told them and move the goalposts so they look good in a year or two years when it didn't happen. I said, but the thing about me, I forget a lot of things, but not the word. So I just wrote him today, and I said, are you still having church in your pajamas? Because our church isn't. I said, do you think God would want you to have made that move when your church is in its pajamas, you haven't been evangelizing, you haven't been doing discipleship? And see, right there, what do they write back to me? I don't owe you anything. Oh, so the Bible teaches that you lose an elder based on where you move across this country or where you move across the state or city? So if Paul stopped being Timothy's elder because now they were in two different locations? Or you pick and choose elders and coverings just based on how you feel that day? No. Just like our sister said, I want to stay in touch with you guys. How can I still be a part of the ministry? Listening to videos and understanding that as she goes through life, she should be building a foundation of leaders throughout her life. So as the Bible says, there is wisdom found in the counsel of many. Amen? There's wisdom found in that counsel. And that's the trick of the enemy is to get you to settle over time. And I said, I still love you. I believe that God can do something good in your life. But I don't change what we talked about that day. God is not going to send you from this church to not do what you've been trained for in this church. That's like a lot of these college students spending $40,000 to be an art major, and then they become a manager at Starbucks. 100000 now for many students. Why did you become an art major for $100,000 if you were just going to become a manager? You can do that from the bottom up. Are you listening? They'll even pay for you to go to school as you need it as you go along. But you see, we change a lot, don't we? But God never changes, does he? Be careful. Amen? As we're clapping and as we're excited, that's wonderful. But be careful when you find times of shallowness in your life. Let God dig deep roots in you. And don't be, and don't be offended by those in your life who have dug some deep roots who want to see you grow as well. Amen? Amen. Verse 18. Still others are like the seed sown among the thorns. They hear the word of God, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things come in and choke out the word. Somebody say it chokes out the word, making it unfruitful. See, what happens oftentimes is we make it through those shallow times and we start digging some good, deep roots, but we can get thrown off by these weeds. Can I talk to you about my weeds in my front yard today? Just for an example, so those of you who have been to my house, I have a little bit of a mulch patch right in front of the house. You've seen it before, and uh, there grows some weeds. How many have weeds growing around your house at times, you know? Okay, so here's, here's how it goes with me and these weeds. I walk by one day because it's right there by my front door, and I'll see them about this big just growing up, but then I got a decision to make. Is that little old weed worth my time? Because you know what I got to do, and this is no joke. I have to bend down like this, and it hurts right about here. And I don't stretch well, and I have to get down there, and then sometimes, oh, my goodness, get on my knee. And then that little thing, I have to put my fingers in the dirt, grab that thing, miss it a couple times, and then get my fingers are dirty, throw it back into the grass, and walk inside. So what do I do most times when I'm walking down that path right there? And I see that little weed. Oh, man, that is not worth it. I am not bending over, getting my finger dirty. That is not worth it. I got things to do, places to go, right? 
Come back a couple weeks later, a couple days later. That thing's growing a little bit now. It's got a flower coming out of it, little prickly leaves. How many know what I'm talking about? It's what weeds do. So then I say to myself, okay, I see this weed starting to grow, and then there's a couple over there. This is what I'm going to do. Next time I cut the grass, next time, everybody say next time. Thank you. Next time when I cut the grass, I'm going to use that tool, you know, that little shovel thing. I'm going to get down there, and I'm going to do it. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. So a couple weeks later, I'm cutting the grass. I pretend I don't see those weeds. Man, I ain't got time for that today. Man, I ain't got no time for that. Kids got to go places. We got to do things. You know what? I'm going to do that later. And you know, I'll do it later. I'll have the kids help me. We'll come outside. We'll do it later. This is a true story. Literally at my house right now, true story. Starts growing all over the place, weeds. Gets towards the end of the year where it's at right now. You know what I've said to myself? Winter's coming. Snow's going to cover it. I don't even have to mess with this right now. Why is it not snowing and covering my weeds? I have weeds, seriously, this big sitting right there, and I'm waiting for snow to cover it, and I'm going to get those weeds next spring. Now, how many are glad that I do better in my Christian walk than I do with the garden in front of my house? But in all reality, how many of us live our spiritual life like that? You know, it's just a little worry, just a little worry. I'll pray about that later. I'll take some time out in Bible study and do that later. Time comes up to do it. Ah, you know, I don't want to bring it up in the accountability. We're already talking about stuff. You know, the Bible study doesn't need to hear about this to pray for me. Let's just go on to the coffee and snacks. Oh, I'll go to the altar next Sunday and pray. It's Thanksgiving weekend. I got to go back out and see my friends and family, do some shopping where I can. What happens? Time goes by and those weeds begin to grow. And all of a sudden, that worry is choking you out. The things that come into our life usually can be dealt with easier when they're smaller. But when we let them grow, they become quite damaging to us. He says, the Bible says worries, the deceitfulness of wealth. You know, the boss says they need me. It's COVID. We got a lot of people sick, so I've got to go. You know, I can't make Friday life groups anymore. I'm not going to see if there's another day they do life groups, but I'll come back to the Friday ones when I have time. Before you know it, now they're saying, hey, we also need you to come in early on Sunday. Well, you know what? I'll catch the service online then. And then before you know it, this thing that you called your job that was supposed to be working for you, now you're working for it, and that's a bad slave master, isn't it? Greed and money doesn't pay very well over time. And the same thing is about wanting other things. Can I talk about weeds and relationships? Well, I know that this person I'm dating has a weed, but it's just a small little thing. He or she just has a small little thing. I can overlook that. As a matter of fact, we'll deal with that when we get to marriage counseling. I found some porn on his computer. Or you know what? I've noticed that she keeps calling up her past, you know, baby daddy. You know, we'll deal with that later. Weed gets bigger and bigger. Oh, you know what? That's just the way he or she is. I can live with that. You know, after all, it's better than being alone. And then before you know it, you're at the altar with this weed. And what, do you take this weed to be your lawfully wedded husband or wife? I do. And then you come to us, fix them, fix her. And that's, yeah, and we don't believe in divorce just because you made a mistake. Yeah, but that's the truth, isn't it? You married that weed, and now this is what you do the rest of your life is you complain about the weed in your life. But, hey, don't you remember, you saw some things back there some things you could have taken care of. And yeah, God could have actually intervened and changed that person at that time, or you could have walked away. But now that thing has choked you. 
And we're so easily deceived by those weeds, and they're easier to spot. And other weeds are always easier to spot in other people's lives than they are in yours. I don't even see my weeds anymore. But if you came up to my house, you'd be like, I thought Joe would take care, better care of his yard. There's a dead patch over here. There's some weeds over here. There's a bunch of leaves that I can see he hasn't raked. He's probably waiting for the wind to blow to his neighbor's house. I'm so disappointed in Joe. But I just come right up to my door, right through my yard. I don't even care about all that. Now, thank God, once again, that's not my spiritual walk, but it's a good example that you just think it's normal to or worry or to look at porn or to not have a devotional life or to remain unaccountable or to break your word. And then a Christian gets around you who loves you, who's actually bearing some fruit and brings it up. Excuse me. And then now what happens? We get defensive. And we say, leave my weeds alone. Can you grab me some water before I choke on this dry air? (laughs) I tried to send it. Nancy, where'd that key go? Thank you, my brother. <clears throat> We're not doing good today with that. How many know in the winter you can choke on a piece of dust? Have you ever had that piece of dust right there? Have you ever done it in front of people while you're talking to them? <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. Imagine that on a Sunday when you get paid to talk for a living. That's how I feel right now. So please pray for me. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding me every breath comes from you. Even saliva, washing that piece of dust away. Thank you. Awesome. Look at your neighbor and ask them, what weeds are you going to pick out today? Thank you. Yeah, what weeds you got to pick out today? In closing, David said it like this. David said, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the ways of everlasting life. A transparent person has nothing to hide. When you are transparent before God, you'll be transparent before people. When you walk the walk of holiness, you know that anyone helping you to grow is there sent by God. And you don't take it as a negative, you take it as a positive. And the conviction of the Lord, it's not bad, it's good. Because God may be saying to you, that relationship is bad, and it's not going to be good for you. So listen, I have something better coming. And by you removing that weed, you're giving more place for the roots to grow and for the fruit to go, which is the last one. Others like seeds sown on good soil. Come on, tap your heart and say, I'm good soil. Amen. What do they do? They hear the word, they accept the word, and they produce a crop of the word. 30, 60, some 100 times what was sown. Amen. And what that simply means, for those of us who don't know that terminology, think about it. That is one apple seed going in the ground, producing 1,000 apples per season with six seeds in each one of them, 6,000 seeds every single season. That's what God is doing in your life. God is blessing you over and over again. That's why I said this is the most important parable. Jesus even said it because when you understand the power of the word, the word will bless you and keep you throughout all of life. 
life circumstances. Every person that I've ever seen with a hard heart, a shallow heart, a weedy heart, have always gotten there by their decisions. And everybody that I see that has a fruitful life has gotten there by their decision. And the difference was one received the word, other ones rejected the word. And everyone that I saw over time, and I still see over time, accept the word, accept the word, grow with the word. They are the ones that I want to be like when I grow up. Those are the ones that I want to be like. And those are the ones that truly have the answers when things go bad. In closing, Vinny, would you come? We were uh, at the beach when a hurricane came. How many have ever watched a hurricane on uh, TV and seen the waves and the wind? Has anybody ever been in one of those mamma jammas? Well, it looks about as scary. It is about as scary as it looks. So we actually knew this was happening. Believe it or not, we drove into it. But my wife, who has zero experience of living by the beach, said possibly the newsmen are wrong and it will go away. I said, let's stay home, but she talked me into it. This was one of those times I was right, honey. But I shouldn't do it in front of the church because obviously nobody likes it when the pastor brags about being right because most of the time my wife, is, my wife is right. But I went because Nancy said it would be good. So we drive literally into the hurricane. We drive there. About two hours later, it is full-blown upon us. My dad, like Nancy, the forever optimist that they are, said... It will be gone in a couple of days. Well, in a couple of days, it was about a category two or three. We lost all electricity in the middle of the night. Yeah. Come on. And then the water turned off. And we, we tried to say, we're going to sleep through this. But the house was shaking so much. So I said... To John, he was with us, John and Laura Morales. I said, John, dude, it's about ready to start stinking up in here because we can't flush a toilet and we don't have a lot of water. We need to get out of here. But the scariest thing about it is it's not good to leave a house on the beach in the middle of a hurricane with 150 mile an hour winds at 2 in the morning. So that's not a good idea. So now it's between two decisions. Do we stay through the hurricane? And they didn't get their electricity back till 10 days later. And the road to the beachfront was flooded. Do we stay and ride this thing out? Which literally would have taken a call saying, I can't come to church because I'm in a hurricane zone. We would have had to stay past our time. Okay, no electricity, no water. But after it stopped, it might have been a little cool, but we didn't have that time to burn. Do you stay and ride it through or do you take your chances now leaving two or three in the morning? So I said, John, let's get out. Let's go check it out because before I get my six kids in the van, I got to make sure we can even get out of here. Well, the moment we get into the, the, the place, you know, they're built on stilts. We were in a beach house right on the beachfront. The moment we get to the carport, I mean, the wind, I've never been in wind like that. It was so scary. I said to myself, man, you know those wind chimes? If somebody's wind chimes got blown off, dude, I'm catching one through the head. That's how scared I was because it was blowing that hard. So I said, John, let's get in. We hurry up and get in, and we start to drive, and power lines are down in the water. So at this point, I'm asking myself, can I drive a car through a down power line, <laughs> you know, like through, through the flooded water with the power line in? And then I'm thinking, I think I can. But then I'm like, I'm not sure. And then I drove through it, and I made it through which was probably just the grace of God that we're alive today because I think a vehicle conducts electricity. But I drive through this, 
And then we get to the point where we're like, okay, we got to go to the, to the bridge to see if we can get off this beachfront road. And the water's deep. We're driving through. It's water splashing everywhere. And then this is what I said to him. I said, I think we can make it. And he's like, do you think, I said to him, do you think we can make it? And he goes, yeah. And I said, is it worth it? He goes, yeah, because I don't, I mean, I got to be at my job next week. We can't be stuck here. So I went to my family, and I told them, I said, listen, we have got to make a choice right now to stay or to go. And I think we can get out of this place. And my parents retired in Florida. Praise God for that. That's fun on Christmas vacations. Go down there. Amen. I'll be there in January. But um, I said, we can go to my parents' house. We'll make the vacation work from there. And my dad, still the forever optimist that he was, and my wife is like, well, I don't think it will be that bad. Maybe we'll clear up. They'll fix it. And I'm like, honey, they ain't fixing this stuff for a while. So we made the decision to go. I held the kids against the, the wind blowing at my back, got them into the van. And the kids will tell you, once they got into the van, it felt more safe than being out in the exposed environment with all the wind and everything. But we started to drive. And man, we just kept driving, and the floodwaters didn't seem to stop. We would drive on the medians. We were driving all over. But we finally got out of the beachfront, got over the bridge, and then we had that sigh of relief. We made it. And then, of course, I looked around to everybody and said, I told you so. I told you so. I knew we had this. I told you we had this. Now we're going to my parents' house. We're going to go to the, the beach. We're going to make a great trip out of this. Y'all just had to trust me. I told you. But you see, that's what it's like when you're with God, taking him at his word. Oftentimes, you may see tests and trials all around you. And it may seem better to stay. It really may. Or to leave in a wrong way. But you have to trust what God says. And I was honest with my wife and with my dad. I said, I just felt God tell us it's time to go, and he was going to protect us and get us out of there. But see, what happens when we get scared? It's not easy to trust, is it? It's not easy. And, and my wife and I will tell you, when we finally broke the bands of the hurricane, you could see it. It looked like, because we drove through the middle of the night, those few hours to my parents' house, it literally looked like pitch black what we were in, and then you could see the horizon and the sun starting to come up. And then we said to ourselves, I cannot wait till we've broke through that and we can see the sun. And it took a little while, but eventually we broke through the bands of the hurricane. And, and God is my witness. It was as if no hurricane had ever even existed. The people that were outside of those bands had sunshine, they were outside. We were coming in the morning hours. Like it was, it was like nothing. We were just in the middle of what seemed like hell. You could die. And there's just people just strolling along, doing their thing. And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be people who are not going to understand what you've been through. But you'll know what God brought you out of. You will know what God brought you out of. And so when we got to that first gas station, and I was like, thank you, Jesus. You could almost notice like somebody next to me at the gas pump going, what's wrong with that dude? And I could have just looked at him. You don't know what I've been through, man. You don't, you don't know. We almost had to use the bathroom in the bathtub. We almost had to drink water out of the toilet. You don't know what just happened to us. We almost died. There was a down power line. 
And people are going to look at you shouting hallelujah in a church like this. And they're going to say, why are you shouting? Like when you show up at James River and you go there shouting. And they're going to say, what in the world's going on? It's been pretty much business as usual around here. And you're going to say, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've seen. God has been faithful. He's brought me out. He has kept his word. I could have died back there too. I could have lost my mind. But God was faithful to keep me. God was faithful to bear fruit. And look, I got fruit in my life. Take some. I got fruit of God's love now. Take some. Look, I got fruit of what it's like to be through something hard and God bring me through. I've got the fruit of the Spirit. Take some. Eat it. Hear the testimony of somebody that God has not let down. And that's when we will be able to be like those trees, those strong trees that you're not worried about a weed bringing down anymore. You're not worried about the sun burning it up because it's there to stay. We want to be those like in the house of God planted that can be here for generations to come. Amen. Would you stand up and give it up for Jesus today? We love you, Lord. Thank you for coming today. Band and altar workers, would you come? Uh, please, we're going to close in prayer and dismiss. And I hope you continue to have a good weekend. But if you need prayer today, don't leave before you get some. Father, thank you for bringing us here today. If you're here today as I'm praying and you're not saved, receive that first word. Receive the first word of being born again. Receive it today in the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. You are the Lord of my life now. From this day forward, I want to live for you. Just do that if you came here today. Or if you've got things in your life, ask him to forgive you of those things. As they're praying right now, if you're a Christian, can you ask the Lord to examine your heart? I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you to come to know you. Those who have had weeds or shallow depth in their life, God, show them right now what they need to do to get closer to you. Dig it up. Expose it, oh God. Remove it, Jesus. How many want to bear fruit for Jesus? Come on, talk to him for a few moments before we dismiss. Those who would like to come forward for prayer, you can do so even now. We'll dismiss formally in just a moment, but let's seek our, uh, search our hearts. Let's make sure that we're going to make it in this Christian walk. We're not going to get discouraged in troubles and persecution. We're not going to let the worries of this world, the love of money, or the desire for other things to choke us out. Lord, I want to be fruitful in my marriage. I want to be fruitful in my family. I want to be fruitful on my job, God. I want to be fruitful in all my relationships. Few moments, few moments right now. Few moments right now. Change, change is coming to those who ask. Come on, you don't know what I've been through, but I know, I know God will be with me like he's been with you. Oh, he'll be with me like he's been with you. He'll be with you as he's been with me. What he's done for others, he'll do for us. A few moments. I may not know what you're going through. You may not know what I'm going through, but God does. Let's close out worshiping together, and then we'll dismiss. Come for prayer if you need it. Thank you for your patience. Let God grow you today. You're never stronger or more mature then the current test you're facing and, and your ability to trust God. This should be an opportunity of growth. If you feel you're in a test, this should be an opportunity of a testimony. This should be an opportunity of a testimony. Come on, would you sing it out as we're getting ready to close today? Thank you, Lord. There's nothing worth more.
Thank you, Jesus. Nothing can come close to you, God. afterward please do so those who are praying God bless you but let us get ready to go bear fruit where God has planted us father thank you for